I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Resource Real Talk About Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. Back for another episode. We're recording on an odd day. This isn't normally our recording day, but the stuff we wanted to talk about today, we've been talking about it all weekend, uh, and it's been coming up in company meetings, so I couldn't really wait. We had to get in front of the mics while we still had it fresh in our heads. So today, Jay, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some changes that are coming to the industry. I mean, we've talked in a couple of our previous episodes about... Uh, one of the big themes that we talk about on the show all the time, which is making sure people understand your value. We talk about your value proposition. We talk about uh, showing your value, making sure that your core values are defined, value, 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 all the time, the V word, right? Uh, but today is that what it's that is? The, the V word. The V word? <laughs> well, uh, today it's more important than ever because I want to talk about how the market is shifting and the industry is shifting in a way where showing your value is going to be even more important as we go forward. Well, I think that's... Fair assessment. Fair statement. The reason being, there's going to be a lot of changes in the way of automation. Automation isn't something that we've talked too much about here on the show, but with technology moving the direction is changing, there have been a lot of articles written recently uh, that dive into this idea of how the consumer has so much control over the process with you know Redfin, Zillow, all the different websites and all the different resources available, available to them online. Uh, that things are really going to start taking a turn and that agents are going to be less and less important as a piece of the process. What would you say? Yeah, I was going to say, what would you say is your initial reaction to just that assessment, that agents aren't as important anymore? I mean, I think the market will always grow and evolve. And I think that disruptors will always exist. You know, yeah, the buying side of the business is vulnerable, but it's vulnerable. The representation... Um, by real estate agents is more vulnerable. I mean, maybe this is not where you see me coming out on this, but I think it's due to poor representation, poor, um, you know, conveyance of value, poor description of value. Agents either don't show or don't deliver. They either provide great value, don't show it, Mm. or they don't deliver it. And, you know, nobody's talking about getting rid of listing agents. People are talking about getting rid of buyer's agents. Right. You know, it wasn't that long ago that buyers didn't have an agent. There was a listing broker that commanded a 6% real estate commission or whatever. It's always been negotiable. There's no antitrust here. But we know, by and large, it was 6%. And the buyer had no representation. There was no dual agency because there was a single agent per transaction. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Okay. There's still a lot of places now that don't even allow dual agency. And that's a remnant of that era that I'm telling you about. So, yeah, Gabe, it's... It doesn't surprise me. Well, this- I'm glad you brought up the 6% number and the antitrust thing, uh, because over the weekend I ran into this article that was on CNN Business, and I'm going to pull it up in front of me. Uh, but it was basically talking about this idea that from the buyer's perspective, most of the work that they would expect a buyer's agent to do, they feel like they're doing themselves, right? Because they've got Zillow, they've got all of the listings in front of them. 
They don't really need access to the MLS because Zillow is like their MLS. Uh, and they're scheduling the showings themselves. They call the listing agent, you know, whose number's there on the screen. They go to see it. And they're like, what is the buyer's agent doing for me besides opening a door and presenting me with the contract that I can't just find online? They're like, what, what's happening? And why is this number 6% floated around all the time? Like, why am I paying so much for someone who uh, they perceive as doing so little, right? First thing, first things first, you, you're not paying 6%. You're not paying anything. It's baked into the price. And yes, prices would come down if you took all or a portion of that commission out. Sure. But no, you're not. That, that's, that's not, it's not your, you that's paying it. Every, you know, the, the seller's paying it. That, that commission is negotiated before you enter into the equation. Right. Okay. So, you know, yeah, if you could get rid of buyer's agents altogether, which I think is the aim of writers like the, you know, writers in the article that you're, you're quoting here, it's the aim of companies like, you know, Redfin and some other, you know, eye buying type purple bricks, some other kind of like eye buying services. Yeah. The, this doesn't surprise me. None of this is old. This, this is old news. Yeah. This is not new news. This is just repackaged in a certain way. And the headline, by the way, is complete clickbait. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got to read that headline. Here's hold on. I'll read the headline in the subtext. So the headline is the internet didn't shrink 6% real estate commissions, but this lawsuit might. And then it, well, it goes but that's on. not that's not even the headline that I'm talking about. Let me go back like, to this when one. When you when you sent me the link, the headline read a bombshell lawsuit bombshell. Can shrink real estate commissions. Yeah, bombshell lawsuit. Let me uh, let me okay. read you about what this lawsuit is, and I will I'll make sure to name drop the author. So I mean, this is an article that we obviously didn't write, but uh, it says in a complaint filed in early March in Northern District of Illinois, five law firms teamed up to allege that high commissions were a result of collusion by the National Association of Realtors and the nation's largest brokerage franchises in violation of federal antitrust laws. So basically what they're alleging is that somewhere along the line, we have all agreed that 6% is the magic number, and then that's a violation of antitrust laws, which I think, like you said, that's not news by any means. Like That's something that we've had to talk about and we've you know, like refuted more times than I can count. I mean, yeah. we've talked about it on the show. I mean, you can go around the you can go around the world and see six percent. The, the The National Association of Realtors has done a great job lobbying for the professionals and professionals in our industry, and has helped assist us in conveying our value to the public and holding um, our fees to be valuable. Okay, mm-hmm. a number of six percent is traded upon quite often. We know that. Okay, you can't say that that's a standard rate. That's a violation of antitrust right there. Um, They always go to antitrust. It's the only leg they have to stand on. It is a very, very difficult um, point to prove. Yeah. But you look around the world, Australia, um, you know, has about 2.5% on average um, real estate commission for the entire transaction. The, the article mentions that and talks about UK too, being between the, one and four. UK is one, one and a half percent on average. Western Europe, most of Western Europe is about that. But there's only one. There's only one professional per transaction. Now, do you want? Um, do you want a phone call back? Yeah. Do you? You do. Yeah, I would like. I would like one to one. You service. would like a phone call back, right? So if you're buying an apartment in London. Okay, good luck getting a phone call back inside of seven days. Yeah. 
I mean, seriously. So, you know, you, you, if you're a buyer and you want to see an apartment in London, there's a good chance that you're not going to get anywhere near the level of service that you've come to expect from the lowest level of buyer's representatives in the United States. You, there is no one holding the seller and the seller's agent accountable to providing an experience, a price, um, quality in terms of your investment, the, the you know the the structures not falling down, et cetera, and so forth. There's no advocate. Yeah. Okay. So there is a big, big thing. Trust me, I'm an investor. Okay. I I I buy all the time. I represent myself. I'm a sure. trained real estate professional. I know what happens when you forego a lot of the liberties um, that you are granted and guaranteed in the buying process in terms of buying the property as is, in terms of trying to buy at a discount, creating value for yourself. That's fine. But the average consumer in the United States is not ready for that. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to say because when you first get into the business and they stamp your license, I feel like one of the first uh, objections that you learn to overcome is this idea of, you know, and it's one it's, it's so cliche and old, but it's like if you were going to, you know, do you want a professional doctor to do your surgery or do you want somebody who's never done it before? It's what like, you pay for. Or if you're going to court, are you going to represent yourself or are you going to hire a lawyer to represent you, someone that no. does it every day? And so in this article, one of the individuals that they talk about is, a, is an individual who had an experience where they had purchased numerous homes in a short period of time, felt like they knew quite a bit about how the process worked, and I'm sure they probably did. They probably had a pretty... A higher than average understanding of the real estate transaction process, uh, and they got fed up with paying buyers agents, and so they they only sought out for sale by owner properties, and they represented themselves as a buyer to prove to themselves basically that they there were people getting paid that did not need to get paid essentially, but um and and it's almost like a call for other people to do that too. But I'm like my my head is at why would you so willingly give up the person who works at no cost to you. Uh, it's not no cost. Well, here's the thing. I mean, if it's not like listings go down to 3% when you don't have a buyer's agent. No, it's If true. they're charging 6% and you come unrepresented, the 6% that you said is baked into the price of the home, it doesn't go down to 3 not necessarily no. at least. Not, not in your one single solitary individual situation. Right. The, the industry would have to shift. And I guess a shift has to start somewhere if you ever want to see it come to fruition. But... Yeah. But you're giving up expert representation unless you're someone who is, like you said, is trained in real estate and understands the nuances. You might be a sharper negotiator, which is fine. Like, I don't believe that you have to have a real estate license to be a good negotiator. I also don't believe that having a real estate license makes you a good negotiator. That's a whole other story. Uh, But when you give up your right to have somebody who has done this plenty of times negotiate on your behalf and make sure that you're not getting you know, you're not missing out. You're not leaving money on the table. You're not ignoring a large problem. I mean, you're putting yourself at risk. There's no other way to describe it. Well, then basically what we're at, what we're after here, Gabe, is trying to identify where the value comes in on the buying side of the transaction. Yeah. Why is the buying side worth 3%? You know, I I sat down once upon a time and tried to come up. um, I I saw this, um, is something we've talked about on the show before about, the trends in terms of splits, right? Like brokerages, we we talked about brokerage models. You know, so much is made about what a brokerage's split is. Mm -hmm. And really, like, you can't even have 
an intelligent conversation with someone if your split is not favorable to the point that they're willing to consider it. Sure. Okay. So it's, it's not that much different. It's kind of a similar conversation. And I sat down and said, okay, out of a, regardless of what the percentage of the sales price is, um, because we're not talking about that in the, in the agent comparison, in the agent world, we're talking about the percentage of the 100% of whatever the commission is. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's, 50 to the broker, 50 to the agent, whether it's whatever. How do you whack that up, okay, and determine who provides what in order to figure out the true value that a broker or team leader brings to a scenario? Yeah. Well, you got to look at, like, most brokerages get a minimum of 5 to 10%, okay? So take 10% off the top, and that's your brokerage handle, right? Brokerage gets that. That comes off the top. Um, you know, it has been said that you – well, I mean, look at referral fees. Twenty five percent is typically fairly what you standard, yeah. fairly stand fairly standard, fairly standard. Yeah. Um, so that's the cost of procuring a client. You got to think that any agent would pay a twenty five percent referral fee willingly. So any agent would spend twenty five percent of their gross commission dollars to obtain a new client. That's interesting. So, Never so, thought of it that so, way. So marketing, advertising systems, whatever, whatever is the cost of acquisition for a client should be at least 25%. Yeah. If that's what, if that's what you would spend to acquire it from another agent. So, so look at it like this. Yeah. I mean, it could be Zillow. It could be Facebook ads. It could be your sphere of influence. Your sphere of influence could be 2%. You know, you could, you could spend 2% of your gross commission to acquire that client, or you could spend 50% to acquire a Zillow lead. I don't know, but 25% 25% seemed like a fair number. So now now we're at 35%, 10 to the brokerage, 25% to client acquisition. You got 65% left. Okay. So so in our team, we're on 50-50 splits, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm paying the brokerage. I'm paying the client acquisition. So that's my 35 that has been spent. Yeah. Okay. 65 is left. I'm paying the team agent. 50 percent that only leaves fifteen percent for me. Yeah. So, who's getting the better end of the deal here? Yeah, really. And this is a whole, like okay. you said, this is a whole different conversation. So, so but, so, but, but no, that applies exactly. And what I'm doing is I'm just illustrating for you that you can arrive at a finite dollar for a figure rooted in percentages. Okay, where and, and you can figure out the individual tasks that are completed by a buyer's representative and determine the value of the service that they provide. Yeah. You could you just do the math. Just do the math. Okay, so let me ask you this. We know that an unrepresented buyer or what, what was what was the statistic? the average the average seller mm-hmm. um, gets 86% of less. Yeah, something like that. I mean, so look at the percentage differences when it pertains to good representation versus average representation. This is exactly what we talked about in one of our you know, really recent previous episodes about defending your seller side with, dis- with discount brokerages. Yeah, the numbers are much less. It, it's it's much harder to arrive at. But my point, my point being is, you know, I can almost guarantee you. Okay, just look at it like this. I can almost guarantee you that a good agent versus an average agent is worth one percentage point on negotiating a loan. Okay, so if you buy a three hundred thousand dollar house. I am going to help you buy it at least $3,000 cheaper than the average agent. Okay? 
I would guess that the average agent is probably at least 1% better than being unrepresented. Okay? So now I have just justified two-thirds of a 3% commission. So that means showings, technology, networking, access, logistics, scheduling, stress stress relief experience, you know, any and all of those things, if they culminate, if they come together to equate to 1%, then I'm worth my three points on the buy side. Yeah, you just, you just added it all up right there. Very simple. Okay, now I can't speak for everyone, every agent out there. Some of them aren't worth it. Yeah. Well, another thing that this article quotes uh, that I don't Which, necessarily... Hold on, by the way. The reason we're even having this discussion is because there are a lot of agents out there not worth it. Exactly. And so that's one of the things that I was going to say I do not necessarily disagree with. Uh, it talks about the number of licensed agents. It talks about realtors and then also licensees. Both are at a peak from where they were before the housing, you know, the bubble. Of course they are. Uh, and the article goes on to talk about how, you know, other similar industries like travel agency is another one that they draw a lot of correlations to, which, you know, that's here or there. It's a Much very different personal. business. Uh, they talk about travel agency and a lot of these other businesses that seem to have been forced into a corner by websites. That's kind of like the main argument that the article is making is that like websites are doing the work that people used to do. But here's what I want to do real quick. I want to step back, make a quick observation Obviously, you and I are on the same side of this, and it would be very easy for us to spend the remaining 30 minutes that we're going to record you know, doing the echo chamber thing and commiserating together, but let me be devil's advocate for a minute. This is all true now, and you are obviously, and the agents on this team are all very skilled at knowing how to define their value and defend their worth, okay? I would, sure. I would 100% agree. As time goes on there, Let's like fast forward and like look five years into the future when the technology that we have now is ancient compared to the technology that there will be then. Uh, and it's getting easier and easier and easier for consumers to do this without an, a professional intermediary. When is the point where agents will, and is there a point where agents will have to start accepting less in order to stay in the business? Well, I think that, I think it, as long as the economy stays relatively good, so believe it or not, Gabe, a recession protects our industry. It protects our ability to hold on to that value and show that value um, because it slows the market down. Mm -hmm. the, the biggest proponent of iBuying, do-it-yourself, FISBO, you know, discount brokerage is a hot market. Yep. Okay. Limited supply and strong demand like that. That's where, that's where it happens. So, you know, presuming that this market continues to roll in a somewhat similar fashion that it has for the last several years, I think you'll continue to see these models proliferate. And as technology picks up pace in terms of development, you know, ever faster and faster as the economy stays good and good. Yeah. You're going to get to a place, but there will become a time where the things I've been calling for, right? Like, like the pendulum swings the other direction. People start exiting the business versus entering it. Mm -hmm. The agent count starts dropping. 
then the value brought by the few versus the lack of value by the many becomes that becomes what's in vogue and premiums can be charged because results are what really matters Mm -hmm. okay so yeah i mean are we headed in that i mean it'd be kind of silly i mean don't you think that there have been people selling real estate in Western Europe longer than they have been in the United States. Like I always kind of look at it like, okay, you want an idea of what things are going to look like in 200 years? Like look at Western Europe. Yeah. They started a long time before us. And to answer my own question that I teed up, the way I tend to look at it is that I don't think that necessarily the future of real estate is one where agents are just forced to accept less. I don't imagine that the top producers of the top producers, the, the, the people that do the 80-20 thing, right? The 20% that get the 80% of the profits. I don't think those people ever just accept less. I think that the agents that don't match that level of productiveness and don't match that level exit the industry, and we just have less agents in the future who are proving why they earn the fees that they earn. Does that make sense? I think that instead of fees going down across the board, I think that agents the number of agents across the board goes down to the point where only the few that can defend their value still exist. It absolutely is going to be the case. I I just, you know, I'm telling you, Gabe, these couple of points are just simply that um, value always will always exist regardless of circumstance. There will be context that shapes value. What the public wants um, I don't. I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon because millennials are, regardless. Okay, so it's a fallacy that this article that you're quoting is even built upon because today's buyer doesn't look for the same things that yesterday's buyer looks for in terms of service, like my clients don't want me to find the house that they want to buy. That's yeah. not what they're looking. But my dad used to do that for his clients because the baby boomer generation expected it. Yeah. Okay. It would be weird to me. It would be weird to you, Gabe, if you were my client and I said, here, Gabe, this is the one you really should buy. Yeah. I'd be like, excuse me. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? You want me to save you from making a mistake that you didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. You want me to negotiate fiercely and get you the best deal. You want me to make things easy. You want me to relieve stress, answer questions, answer questions. Well, that's rooted in stress and anxiety, right? That's attached, that's baked into the process that you need somebody to help you handle because you don't see it coming. Yeah, yeah. You don't know how to deal with it yet. Prepare me. Yeah, prepare me for the cost. Prepare me for the questions I'm going to have. Let let me talk to you about Peter Demandis real quick, okay? He said that there were six Ds, okay, of exponential growth or disruption, okay? Number one is digitalization digitalization okay and it's not digitization it's digitalization okay but but, you know proliferation of technology things things going going getting uh, more digital yeah more digital um deceptive and disruptive growth are the two it used to be four but he added those two i'm not going to get into those two awful much number number four is dematerialization Okay. Okay. Which basically means that things you used to have to pay for are now free. Okay. Information that used to be proprietary is now public. Right. Okay. De- um, excuse me. That was demonetization. Demonetization. Sorry. Okay. I, I went. I went. I so dematerialization. Read the, I, read the, I read the wrong word. So um, 
dematerialization doesn't really apply here because that's like that's like uh, your GPS used to be a thing that sat on your dashboard, but now virtual. it's yeah. but now it's on your phone along with everything else, a single device. So the dematerialization, fewer things. The th- the things yeah. you you have and keep doing one more. thing is doing the all of the things exactly. So the internet is dematerialized. You know, infinitely many things. Yeah. Um, demonetization things that used to be pay for pay are now for free. Are free. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so that's kind of what we're talking about here. Demonetization of the buying side of real estate. Sure. Like you should be able to represent yourself now with these other tools that have been digitalized. Um, and dematerialized for you to use. Last is democratization. Okay, democratization is really interesting because it says that all of these things, okay, culminate and then become available to everyone. Okay. Okay. So, and that's that's something that you're seeing with a lot of these tools being ever present, but it's that's just what makes it possible. Like you should be able to democratization says that you ought to be able to be your own real estate agent. Sure. And that's what the person in this article is saying is like, I got fed up paying other people to do what I could very well do myself. They think they can do it themselves because it's just like what you just said. It's a they, fallacy. The, their experience with agents was limited to, you know, you showed me the house, you found the listing, you, and of course I'm sure if they bought you know 12 houses or something they didn't do that all in a year it's probably happened over a span of time when real estate was different but if access is what you're looking to compensate someone for why would you do that when access is readily available well and it's like like why is there a need for an article gabe exactly it's like if that's your main premise you like what well i mean it's clickbait as we've talked about on the show before but i mean when agents ask you know what is the what is the objection handler for you know why do you get paid so much as a buyer's agent when they or if you go to show someone a house and they don't want you to be their agent they say oh we're going to do it ourselves we're just going to work with the seller's agent because we don't understand you know you're just here to open the door for us well you tell someone like that it's like opening the door is less than five percent of what i do showing you houses is less than five percent it's basically not even part of my job it's just a function of me getting the property under contract for you and negotiating on your behalf you'd already said it all you know, all of the different things that you do during the transaction, not the finding the house part. That's the only part that's being dematerialized, so to speak. That's yeah. the only part that's being uh, digitalized. I was said digitalized. Digitalized. No, it's the only part that's being made digital. That's the only part yeah. that the internet is doing. The internet's not negotiating for you. No. There's not a website that's helping you make sure that the repair request is being completed in a timely fashion. Any, like that any, stuff's not happening. Any iBuyer service that you look into will tell you that this is not the most. This is not the most cost effective way to buy a house, like or sell a house. Excuse me. Like if you're gonna sell and you, it's 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 been around for for ages. It's called an auction. Yeah. If you want your house sold on a day and a time at a pl- you know, at a place at a day and time, you hold an auction. You don't do a pro- what's called a private treaty sale, which is a listing contract to put the property on the open market and solicit interest from the general public. Yeah. Like you say, "Here's my auction sign." Like that that's the thing that's so bizarre about the iBuyer service. It's really just an auction. Mm-hmm. It's really just saying, "Hey, I want offers. Give me all your offers. Bring them in. Yeah. Bring them all in." Like, well, it's one of these things where, like, like I said a minute ago, you and I could sit here and go round and round about this, but 
the way that it looks today is it's going to be it's already going to be completely different next year and the of year course. after that there's going to be a new service that we're going to talk about like right now we're talking about redfin and purple bricks and all these different yeah. things all these things that suspiciously have a color in their name like i don't know what the next thing is going to be blue this or green that but there's going to be something new next year that's going to throw a huge wrinkle another disruptor capital d disruptor right but at just, the end of the day, I think agents will always be part of the process, or at least one agent. I'm just not going to be breathless about this stuff. Like, you know, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not an agent that's near retirement that is trying to keep somebody from moving my cheese so that I can make, like, as much money as I can before I ride off into the sunset. Sure. Like, I'm, I've, I've got a long time to do this. I know that we've got skills. I know that we are the kind of company and collective of agents that will essentially lead the charge despite anything that might be set out to disrupt us. Like I know the business better than all these tech CEOs that think that they're going to take my business away. Like I don't need them to allow me to operate. They can chew off. They can chew off their little piece of the pie it's fine. It's not going to affect me. In fact, they may put out some agents out of business that, you know, are a thorn in my side, right? People that do four deals a year, right? And sneak one of my clients away from me every once in a while and give a bad name to realtors in general. Like if there's a reaping on the way, you know, it's going to happen. The reaping, the, reaping. the harvest, <laughs> the harvest. <laughs> The calling, all of these. Okay, games. the game, right. the Game of Thrones finale was last night. That so. that was actually uh, that was actually uh, I want to say To Kill a Mockingbird, but it's the oh, mocking, yeah. the Mockingjay. What was? Uh, I don't know. You've lost me, dude. Jennifer Lawrence. Um, oh, uh, she's the Mockingjay. What? In and you're talking about Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Games. You Hung- said Hunger Games. I, no, I said Hunger Games. You I wouldn't get that wrong. <laughs> Not enough, coming not to enough a theater Q, near not you. Not enough QW. No, coming today. to a theater near you. Oh, yeah, my sorry. goodness. Anyway, so Redfin and Remax just the called, called, called an unceremonious <laughs> unceremonious uh, end to their break, uh, to their, their divorce. Two, two month long relationship. But okay, you know yeah, what? let's that, talk about this. That, let's that, talk that, about no, that's No, that's right in line here. So basically, Adam Contos, the CEO of Remax, basically decided after, and he got so much. I felt unwanted flack or undeserved flack okay. for, for making the partnership to begin with because, frankly, Remax How long is, was this partnership a thing, too, by the two way? Two months. Yeah, I mean, it was very two brief. Months. So it was announced, and I thought it was a very good thing. I thought it was a recognition by a new C, young CEO trying to do something um, that could be viewed as quite contrarian Mm -hmm. a bold move Um, mary might not have even done it mary mary quite contrary (laughs) anyway (laughs) so it was contrarian for sure he caught a lot of flack for it um and it the people that gave him flack turned out to be vin you know um vindicated i guess um because now it's over confirmed their their fears confirmed because adam ultimately also realized that this, you know, Redfin Direct program, which is aimed at essentially allowing consumers to deliver offers directly to a seller mm-hmm. without the use of a buyer's agent, um, if the properties are listed by Redfin themselves within their brokerage, um, 
it, it kind of, it, it just, it undermined the role of a buyer's agent and that's not Remax's mission. So being f- affiliated with a company that's doing that is not something that, that we wanted as a, you know, as a collective of agents wanted to be. So, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, this is all just white noise. Yeah. I mean, to me, this, this episode, what we've talked about, the thing that's most valuable is where's the value come from? Okay. Our listeners, you agents out there, you should be worried about what you do that moves the needle for a client. You know, first and foremost, be it, be it, be the best negotiator you can be. Okay. Second, handle the logistics. Okay. Today's buyer wants you to alleviate pressure, stress, and anxiety, have the answers to their questions. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know, grant them some access, you know, have, have some availability, but be a professional. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for you to be the steady hand. Yeah. Remember. And that's what I was going to say too. Remember that you're like, if you're trying to find a way to show value to your clients, never resort to showing value by being the door opener who's available at any time, because that's flying in the face of what you're trying to do. You're trying to cement value on the other side of that door. You know, not the side that's putting the key in, like taking the key out of the key box. You're trying to add value after that moment. And so if you're looking for a way to add add value, don't do it by, you know, agreeing to show houses at 9 p.m. or whatever. Like do it by saying when we find the right one, I'm going to make sure that you don't miss anything. Yeah. So we've got a comment on our live thread. So from one of our agents here, and I'm going to end up. I'm going to end up giving us a little echo chamber. Why don't you pull it, pull it up on Facebook. Bobby, Bobby made a comment. Let's look. Uh, okay. Here I'm back. Okay. Uh, Maybe. Okay. So I don't know. So it says it's a ridiculous premise. This is, is this Bobby's comment that I'm looking at here? Yeah. 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 Trying to make sure that I have my sound turned off too. It says, uh, if they were able to prove an institutional conspiracy against three and a half, four or 5% brokers, then they would have a case. Realtors work entirely on commission with no guarantees but loads of liabilities. I think most people simply don't understand what goes into the industry, and so they get frustrated. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's a great point. Like, liability is a big thing. Like, representing yourself, you're you're assuming a ton of liability. Yeah. You're assuming a ton of liability, and that's a big risk that that an agent takes off your plate. And so – but but that just goes to show you that's not even something that came to mind originally – you know, licensure, regulatory, you know, environmental, like risks that exist. I mean, that that's another thing. That's another added layer of protection that your agent provi- provides. How are you to know what inspections to have? How are you to know what questions to ask of the seller, the seller's agent? If you get an unscrupulous listing agent and you're not protected, you can get taken advantage of. And we know that listing agents aren't going away. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. So be very careful. I mean, seriously, like I know a lot of investors that buy and they're very experienced at buying property themselves, commissioner sales, auctions, what have you. That that's what this is. If you decide to go down that road, you're essentially assuming the role of protector for yourself. Yeah. And I guess if I was going to leave any parting thought, it would be believe in yourself enough not to get caught up in this craze that, I mean, these articles are being published right now and it seems like we're in like a moment and I'm doing the air quotes right now. Like we're in the moment where it's about to happen that, you know, 
it's all about to break, but this is no different from any other major disruption event in real estate. And it's not even the first one in 2019. I mean, there's going to be articles written, you know, for years. There have been for years before this moment, and there will be for years after. Every time new technology is introduced, anytime, you know, people start to question the status quo, and the market will adapt. It always does. But it's important to remember that, as we keep saying, we talk about it all the time on the show, there will be moments, and it's like where this recession line is, right? Where all the agents who are doing a handful of deals a year, or they're part-time agents, or you know they're they don't prospect they just wait for the deals to fall in their lap those agents are going to be swept out with the current when this event happens and the agents who do what they're supposed to do that define their value whose clients know why they do what they do they're going to continue to make a good living so if you're one of those people that are doing what you're supposed to do don't worry about the articles don't worry about the buzzy clickbait titles don't worry about the videos that you see don't worry about the big mergers and then two months later, the big breakups. I mean, those <laughs> things are cool to keep track Bombshell of. Bombshell lawsuit. Bombshell lawsuit. Yeah, I'm out. Anyways, <laughs> I almost made a reference to a TV show. I stopped myself. Uh, when you see those things, you know you don't have to worry about your livelihood if you're one of the agents that's doing the right things and you're demonstrating your value on a daily basis to your clients. Yeah. You do need to worry about those things if you're the type of person who is not committing to their clients at 100%, if you're the person who's just pitching in a little bit of effort here and there, if you are a door opener, if you're someone that identifies as a door opener, if you're someone that's you know cutting corners and doing these discounts just to keep a client, those things are going to be the things that rock you. But I mean, there are agents, those things are never going to touch. Yeah, beyond that, I would just, I, yeah, I would tell them the, the, hardcore professionals out there don't be intimidated hold your hold your value give up a deal here and there don't don't bend over backwards to try and meet you know a consumer's demand that really is never going to be happy anyway you know they don't deserve your service if if and, and i'm not saying every every fee has to be a full fee mm-hmm. right i mean there are there are there's a time and a place to cut fees to be able to make deals happen and be the hero in a transaction. And to be clear, we're talking about earning the fee that you that you charge. Too, we're not talking yeah. about just charging as much as you can just for fun. We're no, not talking about not. tricking people into paying I, I, you more. I mean, I mean, don't take less than you're worth. Exactly. Um, and and I to always tell everybody: you cut your fee on the back, not on the front. You negotiate the fee that you know you're worth, then you set about delivering the value that you promised, and. Even still, sometimes you're going to have to accept less than you're worth on the backside because of this circumstance or that. Just don't do it up front because 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 Redfin's going to give a fifteen hundred dollar rebate. Don't cut your commission. Yeah, like explain, learn, listen to this podcast, talk to people in your office, reach out to us for God's sakes. I will teach you how to have that conversation. Yeah, so that you can show somebody you're better off hiring me at this commission than hiring them at that reduced rate. Absolutely. Don't ever try to beat somebody's rebate on day one at your interview. Don't say, well, I'll give you 1600 off. It's exactly what you're saying. Never That's happened. not where you give it up. Like You tell them, here's why if you pay me $1,500 more than Redfin, I'm going to make you $3,000 more. I'm going to tell you, I, and, and Gabe, I know we're wrapping up here and we're out of time, but yeah. like I literally have this conversation with amazing agents daily and they say, but, but Jay, but they were going to buy with me too. And they're going to, they're buying a half a million dollar house. So I had to give them a discount on their 200. Or else I was going to lose them. Or I was going to lose them. No, you weren't. You weren't going to lose them. You weren't do what you're worth. You're worth whatever you make on the buy side on that escalated price. You're worth what you charge on the list side on the lower property. Like they need you. You're that good. Know it. 
know it and convey it. And if you can convey it, there's really nothing more valuable. And if people walk away because they don't know your value, that only means that you didn't show them. It's your fault. It, people your won't fault. know if you don't show them. It's your fault. Or they're a jerk and you didn't want to work with them anymore. Well, sure. But that, what we're saying is that is a, that's a small subset. Very, very, very small You can't subset. say every person that doesn't want to work with you is a jerk. Like, yeah. oh, they didn't want to pay. They don't want to pay seven and a half points. What a jerk. If you go on three what jerk appointments in a row, like you're the common denominator. You might be. Yeah. Anyways. You might be the problem. So be so be be honest in your reflections. But yeah, show people your value or else they're not going to know it. Anyways, that's all the time we've got. I mean, we could talk about this for 40 more yes, minutes, I'm sure. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, resourcepodcast.net. Wherever you get your podcast, please leave us a review and a like. You're probably, there's a good chance you're listening to this on iTunes. Um, before you finish up the episode, just, Seriously, just click click the review button, yeah. please. We we want to hear from you. It helps us rank better. It helps us show. It helps us help more people the more we are able to get this out. Um, you can always check us out at resourcepodcast.net. Yeah, and don't forget, if you're one of the people that's watching us right now on YouTube, you can just drop a comment right down below. Make sure to subscribe, and we're going to be putting all the videos from our live episodes up on YouTube also. Yeah, show notes, links. We'll put the links to these articles up. Thank you so much for joining in. For Gabe Pruitt, I'm Jay Pitts. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time.